Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Philippians chapter 1. Are you there? Remember, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And uh, it's a short letter compared to some of his other letters. Uh, But we, we started this out two weeks ago, and we're going to pick it up in the middle of chapter 1 in verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, we're also going to put it up on the screens, but beginning in verse 12, it says this. Paul is writing, and now he's changed the tone of the letter. He, he just greeted them. He thanked them for their partnership, remember, two weeks ago, and then he prayed for them, and now he's saying, now, now I want you to know, verse 12, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without what? Oh, come on, 11 a.m., like you had some coffee. Without what? I like that. Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for defense of the gospel. The former, they actually preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But but what does it matter? The most important thing in every way is that whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will actually turn out for my deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I go on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's also necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Verse 27. Can we read a little bit more? Is it okay to read the Bible in church? Okay, cool. Verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of, the, of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. That concludes chapter 1. I know we did a little bit of reading today, but we're going to go section by section on this. And out of these few verses today that we just read, I want to share a message with you if you're writing notes. By the way, if you take notes, uh, it is important. They're going to check your notes in heaven, and the more notes you have, the bigger the VIP package. I'm just saying. But out of these... Out of these verses, I want to share a message with you. Write this down. The subject is unbreakable. Unbreakable. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him I'm unbreakable. Come on, look at a couple people around you and tell them I'm breakable. I'm unbreakable. 
If this is your first time with us, we're glad that you're with us. I pray that you, you stay with us throughout the journey of this book. I believe it's going to help you. It's going to help me uh, because we can live happy in a world gone mad. What's happening around us does not have to affect what God is doing inside of us. And so I pray that you would stay with us. Even if you don't believe in God, I believe that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you stick around long enough, you'll see that God does have a plan in your life. And I just pray that you keep coming. Invite a coworker, invite a friend, invite a family member. We don't like empty seats in church. Empty seats are from the devil. And I heard Pastor Brian Houston say that last night. I loved it. And uh, it's a demonic chair uh, by itself. It's a godly chair with a body on it, a person that represents the spirit of God can fill, anoint, gift for his purpose. So bring somebody with you next week. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray together. I'm already preaching. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this book. God, we believe that uh, you inspired this book. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you led Paul to write this book. And we pray that today, as we continue to lean into this book, God, that we would learn, that we would grow. God, I pray that today you would inspire and edify our lives to continue to stand on these truths, God. God, centuries have gone by, yet the truth remains the same. Jesus, you are Lord. And, and God, you are unshakable, unbreakable, God. And because we are in you, we are unbreakable. I pray that today... God, you will lift up every head, open up every eye to see you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in this place, in our lives. Thank you for what you will do. We give you thanks ahead of time. Thank you for this city of Miami. Thank you for this community, Calvary. Thank you for this church, God. Thank you for everybody on Dream Team, every connect group leader, every person that's serving, God. We have the best church on the planet, God. We thank you for it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people say. Amen. Come on, all God's people say. Can you give Jesus one more shout? Come on, just keep on. If you love him, one more shout. I believe it was the year 2005. In the year 2005, uh, my family and I decided to go on a vacation trip to New York City. Anybody love New York City? Come on, anybody, anybody from New York City? Got a couple people from New York City, and we were there hanging out for a little bit, and uh, we had to come back to Miami, obviously, at the end of the trip. And so on the way back, uh, we had a connecting flight. Anybody enjoy connecting flights? The worst. Um, we had a connecting flight, and we had to connect in Boston. They made a connect in Boston. And uh, what, we go to the new gate in the Boston airport, and when we approach the new gate, it says uh, we've been delayed. The flight has been delayed. Anybody hate delayed flights? They're the worst. They're the worst, especially if you're on United. I'm just saying. But I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, it was delayed. So we had to wait about 45 minutes. Now, 30 minutes go by, more or less. And I remember we approached the gate again. And when we approached the gate, they said, hey, your, your flight has been delayed a second time. A second time. Anybody been delayed twice? It is the worst. And so they say, hey, this time it's going to be about an hour. About an hour. Uh, there's some mechanical failure. Now, if you hear that, you don't want to get on the plane. But... Um, <laughs> So we're like, okay, about an hour, they're going to probably change the plane, whatever. Okay, cool. We wait about an hour, about 45 minutes go by. We, we go up to the gate one more time. And when we approach the gate, they actually say, hey, I'm sorry to let you know, uh, the flight has been delayed once again, a third time this time. It's the worst. It, it is the absolute worst. And they said this time it's actually going to take about five to six hours, five to six hours. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. We're in Boston and uh, never been to Boston before. So my parents, they say, hey, you know what? This can look like a really bad situation. If I'm not mistaken, it was the 31st of December. And so we were on a rush uh, back because we wanted to hang out with family for uh, that night. And they said, hey, you know what? 
what can look like something really bad, why don't we make the best out of it? We've never been in Boston. Why don't we grab a taxi or whatever and, and go hang out in the city for three, four hours, maybe in the downtown, and then come right back? Um, actually, I don't even know why I'm sharing this because I was frustrated. I was upset. Pray for me. I had a bad uh, attitude. I was probably about 19 years old, 20 years old, and uh, I said, I just want to get back to Miami ASAP. I think I had a girlfriend at the time, and I wanted to come back and see my girlfriend. You know, any, any guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't care about Boston. I want to see my girlfriend. Like, don't, don't tell me about Boston. And um, it, it wasn't you, babe. It wasn't Diana at the time. But, um, but thank God. I mean, she's out of my life now, but you're in my life. I love you, babe. You're the best. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to come see my dog. I wanted to come see my dog. And uh, so I'm like, I don't want to see Boston. My parents ended up going out around, around the city. And they had the best time. And they came back with pictures of all downtown Boston. And it, it looked incredible. I never, I mean, that was the only time I've been in Boston. And I stayed stuck in an airport. They had a blast. Boston is a, a legend city. It's a beautiful city. My parents took what seemed like a horrible time and turned it into a best time. How many of you know that sometimes what can look like a bad situation can actually turn into a good situation? I want to tell you today that maybe you are in a bad spot. Can I tell you that if you are in a bad spot, something good can come out of it. I know a lot of times we can be upset, we can be frustrated, and we can say, God, I have no idea why I'm going through what I'm going through, and we can actually get angry, we can actually have a bad temper, but we have to understand that God sometimes brings the brightest things out of our, do- our darkest moments. This is the God that we serve. This is what Paul is trying to tr- tell the church in Philippi in this new section of the letter. He's about to tell them, hey, I know, you, I know you're worried, I know I'm in prison, I, I know you send my brother over to come give me this love offering. I thank you so much, but, but I want to tell you now, don't you, don't you cry for me, Argentina. Don't you cry for me, Philippi. What, what actually seems really bad, something good is coming out of it. I, I want to tell you something. I want to give you a little bit of a recap. Two weeks ago, we talked about this letter. Paul ended up in a city called Philippi. When he gets to Philippi, Lydia gets saved. Then all of a sudden, a slave girl gets freed, and she gets saved. Then all of a sudden, a jailer gets saved. A bunch of families get saved. They get baptized, and a church begins in Philippi. Paul, after some time, he continues to preach the gospel. And 11 years later, because he's preaching about Jesus, remember, he's a passionate preacher, he ends up in Rome in prison. And while he's in prison, he begins to write this letter to the church. He loves his church. They've actually sent him a love offering. They send him some money. They know, hey, you might need some money for some food or whatever. You're in prison. We're going to send you a love offering. And he's so thankful. He begins to write this letter to them. And it's, the tone of the letter is one of joy. In fact, the book of Philippians, it is known as a letter of joy. Isn't it crazy? He's in jail, yet the letter is a letter about joy. Meaning you can be in the worst of situations and still have joy on the inside. That's why we titled it Living Happy in a World Gone Mad. Because you can be in the worst of the worst situations, yet something inside of you can be unshakable and unbreakable. That joy remains on the inside. Come on, somebody. What Paul is living out reminds us what the prophet Habakkuk wrote in chapter 3. Habakkuk says this in Habakkuk chapter 3. He says, even though the fig tree have no blossoms and even though there are no grapes on the vines and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren and even though the flocks die in the fields and even though the cattle's barns are empty, yet I will rejoice 
in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. In other words, the prophet Habakkuk is saying, even though the worst of the worst is happening, I mean, he, there's, there's a couple of verses there that he says, hey, I, I have nothing, nothing great is going my way. I am broke. There is nothing happening. There's no fruit. There's no cattle. There's no nothing. There's no Chipotle. This is a bad situation. This is bad. He says, even still, I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though I'm broke, I will rejoice. Even though I'm going through a divorce, I will rejoice. Even though I'm sick in my body, I will rejoice. This series, we're saying, even though I will. Somebody say, even though, even though I, will. I will, even though this morning you may be in a bad place, you can still rejoice in the Lord your God. I will rejoice. Paul says, I am in prison, but I'm going to rejoice either way. He begins to write to them and he says, I, I've been through some, through some stuff. Oh, I, I, oh I've, I've been through some serious stuff. And he says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually worked to advance the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, what we just read. Look at what he says here. We could put up verses 12 through 14. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Verse 14, and because of my chains, most of these brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He says, what has happened to me? What has happened to Paul? Not only is he in prison, you got to take this probably about a year back. What happened to Paul? Paul, remember, he visits Philippi. The church started. He continues to preach. A couple years later, he ends up back in Jerusalem. When he ends up back in Jerusalem, he begins to preach Jesus all over Jerusalem. And some of the religious leaders, they get jealous and envious of Paul. And they say, wait, he's, he's, talking about, he's talking about Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. Remember, they don't believe this. So they want to, they want to imprison Paul. And they say, hey, we've, been, we've seen him hanging around with some people that we don't like, especially this one guy called Trophinus. You've got to read this in the book of Acts. And they say, hey, they took Trophinus actually into the temple. That's a good name, by the way, if you're having a baby, Trophinus. They say, hey, they're taking him into the temple. Trophinus wasn't allowed in the temple because he was a Gentile. And Paul, because he was hanging out with him, they set him up and they say, hey, we saw them taking him into the temple. And so they say, hey, let's go arrest them. They grab a mob of people in Jerusalem. This mob goes after Paul. And when they approach Paul, not only do they arrest him, they begin to beat him almost to death. Roman guards have to come running out. They see Paul being beat. They have to deliver him and help him. And so what they have to do, the mob is so intense, they have to lift Paul up above their shoulders just to take him out of the mob. Man, what a crazy scene. Here Paul is almost half dead and he's being carried by Roman guards out. Finally, the Roman guards are like, what's going on? They say he should be arrested. He's talking against Caesar. They're saying that there's one that's called the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. So they put him in jail in Caesarea. He's in Caesarea for a long time. He says, I'm never going to get out of here. So can you, I, I want to appeal to Rome. I want to appeal before Caesar. Send me to Rome. I'll appear before Caesar. On top of that, what he wanted to do was preach to Caesar. And so he said, I'll just go to Rome, and I'll appeal my case there. What seems like an easy trip, he gets on a ship with, a, with about 300 men. They send them to Rome. On the way to Rome, a storm breaks out. Come on, this is getting worse and worse for Paul. On the way to Rome, a, a storm breaks out. The ship is about to break. This is how bad the storm is. I'm talking about how many know that when it rains, it pours sometimes. Come on, some of you are sitting in here this morning. And you're like, man, I thought last week I was in trouble, but this week, I mean, if I've been through some stuff. The ship is about to break. They start tying the ship together through ropes, a massive ship. And all of a sudden, it, it just hits the sandbar. It breaks into pieces. They're all out in the middle of the ocean. They have to swim to shore in an island called Malta. Malta. I don't know if that's a Cuban drink, Malta. They're, I don't even know why I said that. They're, they're in an island called Malta. 
in Malta, they're like, okay, all of us survived. Is everybody okay? Everybody's okay. They gather together and they say, hey, let's make a fire to at least survive the first night, see what happens. They make a fire. While they're making this fire, a venomous snake comes out and bites Paul in the hands. Jesus, for real? Are you serious? I'm preaching your gospel. A venomous snake, snake bites Paul in the hand. All the people are waiting to see if Paul's going to die. They say, wait, he's about to swell up and die. We knew he was a murderer. They say, see, bad things keep happening. We know he's a murderer. All of a sudden, they see that he does not die. He survives. They say, wait a minute. Now they think he's a god. Crazy stuff. Now they start to bring all the sick people to Paul. In Malta, revival breaks out, and a bunch of people start getting healed. He actually stays there three months, and a church starts in Malta. I mean, it's just crazy. Finally, they get a new ship. Three months later, they go to Rome. He finally gets to Rome. He goes to prison. It's going to be two years before he can see Caesar. And while he's in Rome, he begins to write to the church in Philippi. He remembers Lydia. He remembers the slave girl. He remembers the jail guard. And he begins to write this letter. And he says, I want to thank you. And all these things that have happened to me, not only my prison time, but my shipwreck, my time in Caesarea, that time where they beat me and flogged me and almost killed me, all these things have actually served for the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All these things. All these things. How many know we have a God that does not waste one thing out of our life? You may be going through a difficult moment in your life. There's times where I have no idea what I'm going through. But sooner or later I find out, wow, God, you brought some good out of that situation in my life. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I was actually in pain. I actually started complaining. I actually was suffering. But all of a sudden I see that God can even bring good out of my suffering. All these things have worked out to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to understand, number one, that every obstacle is really just an opportunity. Every obstacle, it is really just an opportunity. Maybe we're in here this morning, and some of us, we're, we're saying, man, I've been through some obstacles in this past year. I, I've been through some hurdles. And at times, I've been through some stuff that I say, God, why am I here? I feel stuck. I feel like I can't get past this. I don't even know why I'm facing this. Come on, if we're honest, all of us have been there. All of us have said, God, where, where are you right now? I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand what I'm facing. But with God, every obstacle is really just an opportunity for him to shine his light and do a miracle. What we have to understand this morning is that nothing can get to us if first it doesn't go through him. Oh, come on. When we're walking with Jesus, when we're children of God, nothing can get to us if first it does not go through him. How many times do we question God? How many times do we say, God, I have no idea why I'm going through what I'm going through? God, why am I in the middle of this situation? I have no idea. I'm full of complaints and I'm suffering and I can't understand. But what I have to understand is that God, he's in absolute control. He's sitting on the throne. Nobody elected him. Nobody can impeach him. He's sitting on the throne in charge, in control. And my life, it is in his hands. Great is your faithfulness. I know you'll do it again. Oh, if you got me out the first time, you'll get me out again. You will do it again. My life, it is in your hands. He's sitting on the throne. God is not in heaven. Like, oh, my goodness, there's a problem in Miami. What happened in Miami? We forgot. We forgot about, we forgot about Phil in Miami. Oh, my God, he needs to pay his bills. Oh, my God, he's going through this situation. Gabriel, Michael, can you get on it? I mean, brothers in need, uh, help, help. Oh, my God, God is not worried. God says, don't worry about it. Your life is in my hands. I got you. You may not understand, but just trust me. I love you. I'm for you. I'm on your side. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? Come on, is there anybody glad this morning that if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul himself, Paul himself reminded us of this in Romans chapter 8. Remember what he says. He says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
All things are going to work out for the good. The bad, the ugly, the great, everything works out for the good. God, I'm going to trust you. Paul says, all these things have happened to me, but they're actually advancing the gospel. He says, these chains, what he, what he begins to paint is a crazy picture because what he begins to paint is actually a picture of chains that they never thought of before. He says, these chains, they're actually double-sided. Because yes, I'm in house arrest, and yes, there's a, a Roman guard who has to watch me day and night. And I'm chained to the Roman guard, but wait a minute. The Roman guard is chained to me. Oh, wait, wait, now I got a captive audience 24-7. Oh, they wanted me to stop preaching. How many know you can, you can trap my body, but you can't trap my spirit? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes, I, I, I'm actually chained down to a Roman guard. Every four to six hours, this shift is changed, so new guards come to take care of me. So basically what I'm doing is I have a new congregation every four to six hours who's going to hear about Jesus. I'm going to tell them who Jesus is. I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel. Kill me if you got to, but I'm not going to stop. Paul was passionate about Jesus. And he says, wait, 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 wait a minute. What you thought was an accident is actually a divine appointment from God. Where you are today in the morning, it is not an accident. It is actually a divine appointment. Some of you had no idea you were going to be in church this morning. Some of you had no idea you were going to be in this season of your life where you are. You have, you're, you're asking God, why am I here? I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't know why I'm at this job. I don't know why I'm a stay-at-home mom all day, every day. Can I tell you, it is not an accident. It's a divine appointment from God where he has you right now for this very season. <laughs> Alex, I lost my job and... All I can do is take care of my kids all day. And if anybody has kids, you know they can drive you crazy at home all day, every day. You may be feeling chained down. It's a double-sided chain. Now you got your kids, and you can prophesy to them, pray over them, preach to them, and say you will be a man and a woman of God every single day. I'm going to put worship on in my house, and I'm going to raise two little awesome men of God, two awesome women of God. I'm going to raise up some soldiers in my house. Maybe what you're chained down to is not an accident. It's a divine appointment. God has you there for a reason. And for a purpose. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're chained down to your desk all day. And I hate being around my boss all day. And I don't even know why I'm in. Maybe it's not an accident. It's a divine appointment. Maybe God has called you to be a light there in that office. Alex, I, I'm sick. I've been in the hospital often. Maybe God has you there for a reason to be a witness to that nurse, to that doctor. And one word can change your life forever. When the Holy Spirit inspires you to open up your mouth, he says, these chains, they've actually worked for the gospel to go forward. Verse 14, which is chapter 1, verse 14, he says this, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He says, hey, the church in Rome, all these other believers in Rome, when they see how the gospel is advancing, these Roman soldiers are getting saved. And it wasn't just regular Roman soldiers. They were part of the big guard. I mean, they, these were Caesar's soldiers. Because of that, the gospel is now actually going into Caesar's household. Three chapters later, we're going to see that some in Caesar's household say what's up to the church in Philippi. So they all become saved and they know what God is doing. Revival is breaking out in prison and in Caesar's home because Paul is in prison. And he says, because of that, oh, church, the church in Rome now, they're getting courageous because you got to know that courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. Paul says, I'm courageous in prison. And because of that, brothers and sisters in Rome, they're getting stronger. The church in Rome would have been weaker if Paul would not have been in prison. Because there was a lot of obstacles. Because there was a lot of um, persecution. So they could have hid back. They could have said, oh, wait, Paul's never even coming to Rome. I'm, I'm going to scale back. I'm not going to preach the gospel. But because Paul is bold, now the church is getting stronger. 
Can I tell you that you're at where you're at for a reason? And the, the moment you become courageous, one courageous Christian on fire for God can actually light up a thousand other believers. If at your job there's a couple of you and you're saying, man, this is intense. I don't even know how we ended up at this office. There's a lot of people here who don't even talk about Jesus. And you're feeling a little bit intimidated. You get one employee on there on fire for God that says, I don't care who's here. I'm preaching Jesus. Come on, we're getting coffee. Do you know who made coffee? Jesus made coffee. He made my coffee bean. I'm going to drink this all day. Anybody love it? Jesus, God bless you. You're getting saved. You're getting, I mean, you get one Christian there. On, all of a sudden, the rest are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, I can actually, I, I can speak up too. Wait a minute, Paul's in prison, and he's not a coward. He doesn't get scared. Actually, he's been preaching all the more, and now in Caesar's household, they're talking about Jesus. Oh, my God, then arrest me too. I'm out in the streets of Rome preaching because courage is contagious. Maybe God has you where you're at because it's contagious to somebody else. If you just get some faith inside of you to say, wait a minute, I'm going to believe God in my job, in my sickness, in my divorce, in whatever I'm going through, I'm going to be courageous. You can inspire somebody else. He says, because of these chains... Everybody else is getting courage now. He says, oh, don't cry for me, Philippi. I know you're worried. I know you're saying, how did he end up in prison? This is our pastor, our mentor, our friend. And they're worried for him. He says, don't you, don't you worry for me. What I'm going through, this suffering, is actually turning out for good. The church is stronger because of it. A couple chapters later, they, they, they actually say, what's up to you? They love you. <laughs> yeah, the ones who used to hate you, they're actually turning to Christ because I'm here. Courage is contagious. He says, oh, I know there's some preachers out there talking bad about me. I know there's some churches out there talking bad about me. I know there's some out there that are judging me and criticizing me. Some are doing it out of love. Some love me and they're talking great about me. Some are actually envious and jealous. He says, you know what? But it doesn't matter as long as Jesus is being preached everywhere. That's all I care about. Paul had one thing on his mind, Jesus Christ. That's it. You can talk about me on Facebook. You can talk about me on Instagram. You can go and spread all these rumors about me. I don't care as long as Jesus is being preached. He says, because it's not about my reputation. It's about restoration. Talk about me all you want. Paul says, I'm in prison. I'm in jail. And I do not care. What I want is for Jesus to be exalted. Imagine we would get this kind of audacity in our life that we say, I may be going through whatever I may be going through. But I don't care. The one thing that I care about is that Jesus is glorified. He wants the church in Philippi to get this. So, so you, you're, you're about to go through some persecution. I know there's some stuff happening in your church. There was actually some division going on, and there were some fights going on in Philippi. And he says, hey, focus on Jesus. This is the main thing in life. He actually begins to say in verse 19, if we could put up verse 19, he says, I'm going to keep on being glad. It's a letter of joy. I'm going to keep on being glad. I know that as you pray for me, the Holy Spirit, he's going to help me, and this is all going to turn out for my good. I know I'm going through all these things, and I don't know if they're going to put me to death tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, but I'm going to keep on being glad because I know it's going to turn out for my good, whether I live or whether I I want you to write this down. The purpose, number two, is greater than the problem. I know, I know, I know tomorrow I may, I may die tomorrow. I'm in prison, and I have no idea if my life is going to end tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. I've been here for a few years already. Maybe a few months have gone by. And he says, I know. I know Caesar may execute me tomorrow. And some nights have gone hungry. And, and this is tough. And I've been through all these situations. And been out in the middle of the ocean, shipwrecked, trying to see, find some land. And I know I almost got beaten to death. And all these things are going on. But he says, one of the most greatest verses somebody could say, he says, 
But to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm not going to focus on my problem. I'm going to focus on the purpose. Whatever happens to me, I'm going to rejoice. My life may be taken from me. In fact, he says, you know what? I'm actually torn between the two because if I live, I get to be preaching about Jesus and I may even come and visit you again. But if I die, I get to see my Savior, Jesus, face to face. I think this is a wake-up call to all of us. I don't know about you, but to me it is because we say we're believers and we love Jesus. And, and we, oh, my God, I love Jesus. And we sing all these songs. But the minute death comes knocking on the door, it's like, God, don't take me yet. I want to live like 30 more years. God, please, not yet. Wait, but, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, I'm torn. I actually want to go to heaven. I actually want to be with Jesus already. I actually want to see him face to face. We've all heard the saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But Paul says, even if it kills you, it makes you stronger. Kill me. He says, you can take my body. You can never break my spirit. I'm going to be face to face with Jesus. He says, I pray that there's some courage on the inside of you. No matter what. I'm going to keep on preaching Jesus. The gospel has advanced. Death may be knocking on my door, but I want to see my Savior face to face. He says, I'm going to keep on going. Because we don't walk out in fear, we step out in faith. He reminds Timothy about this in the book of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. The Spirit of God has given us, it says, not one of timid or fear, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. I'm not afraid. Some of us, we're going through some tough moments this morning, and fear can come knocking, and we can say, I don't know. I mean, I got this diagnosis from the doctor. I'm, I'm going through this problem in my marriage, and, and I don't know what's going to happen the day of tomorrow. I, my kids, the way they're acting up, they're, they just got into middle school, and my goodness, it is as tough as ever, and I had no idea these issues were going to come, but, but I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to believe in faith that God is going to work it all out for the good of those who love him. I'm going to step out in faith, whether I live or I die. Imagine church, Calvary. Calvary, imagine we can get to that point in our life where we say, living is for Christ, but dying is for gain. Take my life. It's not about me. It's not about everything. I want to be with Jesus. And as long as I'm here in this flesh, I'm going to keep lifting up the name of Jesus. And if I die, I see my Savior face to face. He finishes up the letter, chapter 1, the first section, in verse 26. We could put it up, chapter 1, verses 26 through. He says, whatever happens, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, whatever happens, whether I live or I die, I want you to do one thing. I want you to stand firm in the faith. I want the gospel to keep going forward. I want you to be as tight as ever. Don't let anything come between you. I know there's some little fights. I know there's some little divisions. Listen, it is not worth it. Jesus is the only thing that's worth it. Don't get caught up in the fights. Don't get caught up in the division. Don't start talking about another. Forget about the rumors. Forget about what's posted online. Fight for the gospel. Fight for truth. Keep preaching Jesus. Stand in one faith. Stand in one spirit. Does not matter what comes at you. It cannot destroy what God is doing inside of you. 
But you stand together. Because if you let these things come, the gospel is not going to advance. If you let them come between you, the gospel is not going to go forward. Jesus is all that matters. He says, whatever happens, don't let it come between you. Stand firm as one body, one spirit, united. The way, the, the way he's talking in the Greek, actually in the original language, he said, I want you to lock together. Come together, lock together. It's wartime. We're in this together. Whether I go see Jesus or I continue, I want you guys to be united. And he says, whatever happens, stand firm. Because number three, your situation does not dictate your spirit. Your situation does not dictate your spirit. Calvary, I want you to listen to me. It does not matter what we may be going through. Don't let it get inside of what God is doing inside of your spirit. Come on, God is working on the inside of us. He's building some faith. He's building some courage. And sometimes we can throw in the towel when the moments get the most difficult. He says, I want you to keep your witness. I want you to stay strong. You may lose your job. You may go through a divorce. Some of you may die. But stand strong in the faith because it's worth it in the end. Some of us, we're asking God to change our circumstances. And we're saying, God, get me out of this situation. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. I, I can't even believe I'm going through this. I'm suffering. I'm in pain. But sometimes God won't change our circumstances because he wants to change our heart. What he wants us to do is say, hey, stand firm in the gospel. Don't let the situation dictate the faith inside of you. In fact, you speak over it and you say, wait a minute, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm going to stand strong. You can break my body, but you can't break my spirit. You can trap my body, but you can't break my spirit. In Jesus, I'm unbreakable. And I know that if he got me out the first time, he will get me out again. If God is for me, come on, can't doubt things stand against me all the days of my life. Can you stand up on your feet and give God some praise in here and say, God, whatever comes, I'm going to believe that you're for me. Come on, you can do it again. Come on, let's sing it out. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe. Come on, if you believe God will do it. I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move. Even if it kills you, it makes you stronger. I know it's easy to say it, but when you're going through it, it's a lot harder. Paul finishes off the first section of the letter. Verses 28, 29, 30 says, hey, God has graced you not only to believe in him, but to suffer with him. Paul, 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 Paul. Can you, can you talk about healing? Can you talk about grace? Can you talk about faith? Can you, can you talk about victories? Nobody wants to talk about suffering, but, but we're saved to believe and also saved to suffer. All these people, hey, God's going to heal you guys. I believe in healing. I believe God can heal people right here, right now. 
But sometimes God would allow certain circumstances in our life for a reason probably beyond us. And what he's saying is he's graced you for it. In other words, he's strengthened you for it. There's some people in here this morning, you're going through a tough moment in your life. And you're saying, Alex, I don't understand. I'm out of strength. I don't even know why I am where I am today. I'm out of strength. I'm out of faith. I can't keep going. I'm down and out. Maybe there's some people here this morning that you've gone through loss. Maybe it's a relative, a loved one, and no words will ever comfort you. Maybe it's a loss of a, of a job. Maybe it's a loss of a marriage. Maybe loss of finances, and you're saying, Alex, I'm, I'm going through it. He says, he's graced you for it. And he says, those who God has picked to even suffer with him, consider it an honor. I consider it an honor. He says that I'm, I'm suffering for the gospel. I, that he's, he's chosen me worthy to go through what I'm going through. He goes, the gospel's going further because of this. And I consider it an honor that I'm the best who he chose. You know, with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe there's some people here this morning that you're going through it. And you're saying, Alex, I've been going through it. I'm, I've been going through some tough circumstances, situations that I, I never imagined. I never in my life would think I would be where I'm at today. There's been loss. There's been heartache. There's been grief. And at times I question God and say, God, where are you? How can, how can you leave me? How can you abandon me? Do you even remember, God, that that I exist? Do you even remember my, my prayer request? Some people in here this morning, you've questioned God. God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't see your hands. I don't, I don't see your provision. I don't see your, your power. I really feel inside of me, I, I just got this impression in my heart that God is saying, take heart. Take heart because I've overcome the world. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? I have not forgotten you. I have not abandoned you. I have not left your side. Even if the whole world walks out on you, God is faithful. He's faithful to a thousand generations. If he did it once, he will do it again. If you're in here this morning and you've gone through a moment of grief, maybe, in, maybe this morning you're saying, Alex, I'm lost, confused. I have no idea. I've been asking God where he's at. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you this morning. Maybe you're saying, I, I don't know why I lost this person. I don't know why I lost this marriage. I don't know why I lost this circumstance. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you. If that's you, raise your hand. I just want to pray for you all over this place. Father, I thank you for every hand lifted. You know every circumstance, every situation. I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you will come right now, filling them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Holy Spirit, that you would encourage them, empower them right now, God. God, that when our faith runs out, your faith is still there. God, that when we can't lift up our head, you come lifting it up. God, when we can't believe, you come and you give us strength. I pray this morning that you will pour out strength on every single person with their hands raised. God, I pray that you would encourage them, strengthen them, that you've graced them for the race. They are graced for the race. God, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit will reveal to them your power, your purpose, God. That you're with them, not against them. That you're on their side. That you will never leave them nor forsake them all the days of their life. That you go in front of them and behind them, God. That victory is theirs, God. That your purposes will work out in their life. Strengthen them this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I want the church praying. If you're in here today, you're saying, Alex, we're about to go. 
two more minutes and we're out here. If you're saying, Alex, I, I just got to church. Maybe it's your first time, second time, and you're saying, Alex, I don't even know how I ended up here. Or maybe you've been coming for a while and you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm far from God. And this morning you're realizing, I need a relationship with this God. Can I tell you, we all do. The Bible says that all of us are sinners and sin is, separates us from God. Sin came to destroy what God created, but God loved us so much that where sin came to separate, Jesus came to unite, to heal, to make whole. This morning, if you're saying, Alex, I follow my own path. I've been trying to do life on my own. I've tried to figure it out a million times. It's landed you nowhere good. Some of you are standing in here this morning, and where you are in life, you are not happy. You know you're not supposed to be where you're at. Some of you have left homes. Some of you have left jobs. Some of you have lost it all because we followed our own path. But this morning, I believe God wants to restore, to heal, and to make whole. The Bible says all of us are sinners, but Jesus came, and he grabbed your sin, my sin. Nobody's perfect in here. He grabbed our sin, he put it on his shoulders, and he went up on a cross, and Jesus died for me and for you. And this morning, Jesus, he wants to carry your weight, your sin, your guilt, your shame. The same way he did on that cross. The Bible says he died on that cross. He went into the grave for three days. And after three days, Jesus resurrected. He's alive today. He is the hope. He is forgiveness. He is life. He is truth. This morning, he wants to give you a brand new start and a brand new beginning. With every eye closed, every head bowed for privacy and concentration. I'm going to count to three in a moment. I believe hands are going to go up across this auditorium. If there's people in the overflow or online or on the radio, you're going to make this decision as well. You're saying today, I need a relationship with God. I need forgiveness of sins. I want to get my life right. Maybe you're saying, Alex, my life is all over the place. I'm going to go home this week, get it right. I'll come back next Sunday. The Bible says the day of salvation is today. Today, you can begin a relationship with the God who loves you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're at, if you can lift up your hand at the count of three, I'm just going to acknowledge you, then you can put it right back down. You're saying, I need a relationship with God. If that's you, at the count of three, raise it up. One, two, three. As high as you can. As high as you can. As high as you can. Raise it up. I see you here to my left. God bless you. 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 In the middle, God bless you. 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 To my right, God bless you. 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 Amazing. Hands raised up. Anybody else who raise your hand right where you're at. And you're saying today I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Amazing. In the overflow, if you're watching online or listening on the radio, you can make the decision in this prayer right where you're at. I'm going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. All we're asking God is to come into our life. We're declaring Jesus is Lord. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. In fact, we're all going to say this prayer with you. Say it out loud. Say it with all you've got. He's here today. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. I believe that I am a sinner. And I recognize that I need forgiveness. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord. And be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven. I am saved. I am healed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.